El Camino People, de podcast, episode 44. Ultrella Fellow Pilgrims, I am Josemar Rodanaz, your pilgrim friend, and this is El Camino People, the podcast. Today, in our show, I'm joined by Liam Preacher, an Australian pilgrim from Tasmania that made the amazing journey from all the way from Australia to Spain to walk the Camino de Santiago by herself. We will discover what changed, why she walked the Camino, why coming all the way from Tasmania to Santiago de Compostela, but also something that intrigues me more how can be a Camino de Santiago in Tasmania? What lead this community over there to create their own little Camino in a way of giving, you know, a, a memorial to the Camino de Santiago and to allow people that cannot walk and, and also from their prairies and from the community to live the same feeling that we pilgrims live in the Camino de Santiago. So, incredible journey, be ready for it and hopefully we will be seeing more people coming during the Camino and right now Hi everyone and welcome to El Camino People, the podcast. Today we have the farthest guest ever. Welcome, Leanne. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, Jose. How are you? No complaints. It's almost Friday. It's Wednesday, but you know, as we say, things are going great. Finally, the Camino is open. Spain is getting reopened, so we are getting back to normal life. And I have my next Camino plan, hopefully walking from Lourdes all the way to Pamplona at the end of June. Fantastic. Lucky you, you can still go and you can go um, back again. Uh, you know, uh, there was, I was watching, you know, the, the weather. I'm like, lucky you. I would love to be in Tasmania, visit over there, the weather, the beaches and everything. And it's like, you know, we all complain about what we don't have, but I guess it is what it is. That's right. That's right. So for the ones that don't know, Tasmania is connected to the Camino Santiago. And you may be wondering how and why, and that's one of the things we will ask later. But as you know, Liam, we always start the, the interview with the one-minute questionnaire. So we have here the set of questions. Okay. And we have the <laughs> timer ready. So when you are ready, let's go. Are you ready? Uh, as ready as I'll ever be. I'm not sure I'll do very well, but we'll see how we go. <laughs> let's give it a try. Your first Camino? Uh, Camino Frances. How many Caminos? Uh, four if you count the Tasmanian ones. One month to walk? One month to walk, I would do the um, Portuguese. One city? One city, uh, Pamplona. One meal? One meal, we had a beautiful, we made homemade pasta for 18 pilgrims. A song? 
a song. My friend Luigi wrote a song called Kilometri di Vita um, about the Camino. A happy moment. A happy moment was the day after I arrived in Santiago, my husband and son came all the way from Tasmania, Australia to join me. One colour? A colour? Yeah. Um, my colour is purple. I was known as the Purple Pilgrim um, on the Camino. That's my Instagram name. That's so funny, the Purple Pilgrim. That's just yep. funny. You did well, really well, really well. <laughs> Thank you. So tell us a little bit. One of the things that surprised me the most when you know when we when we found each other on Facebook and and researching is like from Tasmania to Spain and a Camino in Tasmania. How someone from Tasmania finds out about the Camino de Santiago? How did I find out about it? Well, um, one of my favourite authors is Pablo Coelho, and I had read his book, The Pilgrimage, mm -hmm. and I heard about the Camino in that way and that got me thinking. I also, I don't really know. I, oh, In fact, I did have a colleague who went on the Camino and um, told me about how amazing it was and I had actually planned to do my Camino. I was waiting for my long service leave. So we have, we get um, three months paid holiday every 10 years of work. So I had been planning to do my Camino for about five years and bought the backpack wow. three years before and the boots two years before. So um, it had been in my mind and in my heart a long time before I actually caught the plane from Tassie to Saint-Jean-Pierre-de-Port. So how long did it take you to, you know, since you discovered this Camino till you decided, I always say that the, you don't decide to walk the Camino, the Camino calls you and then you just have to say yes or no. So what happened for you to, you know, so, so far, far away, I'm like, you were in a, in a one day flight or more than that. And then suddenly you say, it's time to go. What happened for you to decide that it was the time to go? Well, um, I had been thinking about it for a long time. And as I said, I was hanging out to get this um, long service leave. So I knew that in 2018 was the date that I could go. So it got to 2017, I was still at my same job and I thought, I think I can hold out one more year and then I put the steps in place. So the actual timing of it, I was also, um, I'd been at one workplace for a long time and I was also ready to, I needed some time to take a step back to think about what my next moves were. So that um, opportunity came. So it was a good time in my life as well to, I just needed to reconnect with myself. I also wanted to reconnect a bit with my faith as well. And I was in a very busy job where I didn't have time just to slow down and be. So the Camino called me for lots of different reasons. And how was it that, you know, your family, your friends over there, like, what would they say? I'm like, you are going on a trip to Spain by yourself and so far away for so long. What people think? Yeah, it's interesting because when I came back and started telling people about it, they, they said, oh, so which tour group did you go with or who did you go with? And when I said I went by myself, they actually really were quite surprised. But then I actually said to them, you know, I was only by myself 
for the first day. In fact, I stayed at Bellari, um, at in Saint Jean, so I already mm -hmm. had one Camino family. In, actually, I stayed two nights because, in case I had jet lag, because as you said, it's a long way from Tasmania. So I had two um, sets of family, and then a friend of mine who had done the Camino a couple of years before said, "You must stay at Orison," and it was at Orison where I met two girls and one of them I actually walked the whole Camino with except for three days. So I actually what I wasn't alone. Um but my yeah, some of my friends thought I was a bit crazy and also a little bit brave and courageous to go by myself. Totally. I'm like that's a that's a long journey. But I agree with you. People from that are coming so far away, taking a day off to discover Saint Jean and getting the jet lag off. It's great. And also, if you have the time to stop at Horizon, it's beautiful. And right now, they just opened another alberca. So it's not, you know, Horizon, the only one that is in the middle. They just opened a new one right on the way up. And for the people that walk the Camino, they know how hard it is the first day. And for the people that don't know, if you are not really fit, take a break in Horizon or in the new alberca or take it easy on your way to Roncesvalles. So how was the planning? I'm like, when you plan a Camino for so long, for three years, and also in such a huge distance and time, how did you plan for your Camino? Um, I did a lot of research. So I bought the, the good old trusty John Briley book well in advance, <laughs> had agreed. Um, I spoke to some of my friends who had been before and um, got their advice. I also joined a few Facebook groups, um, Camino groups, where people share their uh, advice and ideas. Um, and then I actually just put my boots on and did a lot of um, training. And in I did training probably about six months before, and then I actually got a minor injury. I got plantar fasciitis with Ooh. two or three months out, and I went. I remember going to the podiatrist and. He, he strapped my foot and he said, yeah, I think orthotics will do. And he said, now, what walk are you going on? And I said, I'm going on an 800-kilometre walk. And he goes, okay, and when are you going? And I said, oh, in two months' time. And he said, okay, we're not going to strap it anymore. We've got to get you your orthotics and get into it. So um, mm. I was very lucky I, I got those in time. So I did a lot of um, planning. And one of the other things I did was, actually went on the Tassie Camino that we'll talk about later um, as a as a kind of a preparation for the big Camino as well. And one other thing right now, you know, it's one of the things that a lot of people, when we talk about planning the Camino, I think that too much planning can be bad. Too less planning can be also bad. But what now that you see it with perspective, will you do it the same way? Will you look so many group of Facebook? Because at the end, sometimes I think we also made our minds, you know, for expectations from others or we do things that others tell us, you know, and there's right now there's so much information. There's too many YouTube videos. There's too many blogs, too many Facebook groups that is just overwhelming. It's just crazy. That, that's very true. Um, and a big thing about planning that a lot of people discuss is the whole idea of booking accommodation. And so because mm -hmm. I was coming from Australia, um, I did research and stayed at Bellari, which was good, and I stayed at Orison, and they were the oh, and Ronchevales. They were the only three that I'd booked. Mm -hmm. And then the two girls I met at Orison, we were just booking virtually the night before until we sat down for dinner one night and these people said, don't book. The Camino provides. Just trust the journey. And so yeah. for the rest of the time we trusted the journey and we um, 
it, it worked until you get to Saria and the last 100K. <laughs> and we had one night where it was 7 o'clock and we got the last two beds in a place and otherwise we would have had to walk another 10K. So um, I would probably say... Um, yeah, do a little bit of preparation, but I also think, you know, what you read and what you hear, the Camino is so individual. So mm. it's it a lot of just trusting it yourself and trusting the journey. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the first days is something that you should book in advance to just be sure and not worry because arriving to St. Jean, there's so many places, so many albergues that just book in advance. It doesn't matter. But also Runces Valle, so it's only if you're going to stay there, book in advance. But other than that, you know, for me, I did the Camino in 2017 in the summer, and the only place that I have a problem was in Finisterre. Oh, every <laughs> every other place, I don't have a problem at all. So when people say the Camino, you know, the summer is too book is overcrowded, I'm like, I didn't have a problem at all. But it's true that from Sarria on, you can have you know some issues. And this year, what I suggest everyone is not because of there's going to be a lot of people, it's just because the Camino and the numbers of the albergues have been reduced to 30-50%. So if you call the, the hospitalero, it's going to be really happy to know who is coming, how many people, and he can be prepared. So just keep a call in advance and you're going to be much better. Just in case the albergue is closed or something happened today, they just told me that one of the little villages in the in the Camino Portuguese is closed. So you cannot stay there, you can go by, but not going to the albergues, not going to the restaurants, not going to the supermarket. So things like this are going to happen during this summer. Mm. And if you make a call in advance, there will, you know, something that you can avoid having an issue with. But so how was the Camino when you start walking and you suddenly get from this, you know, beautiful thing that you have seen on Facebook, YouTube, and suddenly you are there, you're in St. Jen and you start walking. How was that first day? Uh, the first, well, yeah, the first day was just amazing. It, the, Every day was amazing. It really, for me, it was um, it was a dream come true. First of all, and it was um, it was actually life changing for me from day one. You know, seeing the mm. arrows, and seeing the scallop shells, and even the view just climbing um, up out of Saint Jean. It was pretty muddy the first day. Um, the, the ground was pretty muddy, and it was very steep. So I was glad to say um, in Orison, I met a beautiful girl from India who had the biggest backpack. She probably had about <laughs> 25 kilos. And what? we got to Orison. Yeah, it was huge and she was tiny. And I lent her one of my walking sticks on the way up because she was really struggling. And we got to Orison and she was heading to Ronchalis. And I said, do you know how much further that is? And she said, oh, not really <laughs> I bought her uh, um, a cup of tea and we had, um, uh, you know, a bit of a chat and she went on. And what was interesting was I didn't see her again for quite a while and then I saw her in a cafe later on and she'd actually, the backpack was too too heavy and so she was bussing a little bit here and there. But, um, yeah, so for me it was quite a nice, easy day. It's only a cater Orison, I think. Mm -hmm. Um so it was very, very nice, although it was pretty chilly. I was there at the end of May, so I left um, almost about this time, and um, it was pretty chilly is what I remember mm -hmm. um, at Orison. But the winter was fabulous. Well, can, can be still even, even snowy, and one of the things that it was just open, the path, you just were one of the first pilgrims walking over the... Yes, yeah, we were lucky to get through. Yeah, it was great. And, um, yeah, the pilgrim... Um, 
meal was lovely where people shared their stories. It was a, it was fantastic. And I thought, Holly, mm -hmm. if the rest of the Camino is like this, it's going to be awesome, which it was. So how was the rest of the Camino? As you get going, you know, May and you start growing your Camino family, you start walking, probably you get, you know, those calls from your from your husband and from your kids. How was the, what were you telling them about the Camino? Um, um, what was interesting was that they kept trying to call me because they were missing me a lot. But um, <laughs> the actual truth was I wasn't missing them because I had a new family and I was um, having lots and lots of fun. Um, so, oh, I was just, I was telling them, you know, about the towns that I had visited and some of the people that I'd met. What was lovely is I actually could introduce them via Skype to some of my Camino friends, which is lovely, and show them some of the places. Uh, yeah, but it was, it was a bit awkward with the time difference to um, mm -hmm. actually get through because often um, I would, sometimes they'd ring me and I'd be going, I can't really talk, everyone's still asleep. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is the time difference with Winter Spain and Tasmania? Uh, it's normally between nine and eleven hours difference. Wow! So depending quite, on summer and winter, yeah. So quite hard for a pilgrim to reach the family over there. I'm like, you start walking at eight, they're probably going to bed almost over there. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So we, we sometimes worked it out, um, and also with um, dodgy internet, sometimes in some of the albergues, it was a yeah. bit tricky to catch them too. <laughs> so as you get going, you, you get to Pamplona, you pass the Monte de Perdón. Finally, was the Camino some the way you expected it to be or, or was there new things that you were discovering? Um, uh, what was interesting, I'd heard a little bit about the Meseta and mm -hmm. how people find it really boring and... Um, I have. I didn't find it boring at all. I found it beautiful because all the poppies were out. It was spring. It was beautiful. But I've come to the decision that maybe Europeans find it boring because you guys have so many mountains. <laughs> Whereas for us, we have a desert that goes on forever in Australia. So yeah. um, I actually was surprised at how beautiful Masetta was um, and I didn't find it as challenging. I just plotted along one foot in front of the other, really. So um, some of the mountain tops were quite challenging, although I didn't feel, I actually found that I coped better than I thought. Maybe I had done enough training. <laughs> yeah, I think for I them, also, I think most people hate it or don't like it because of, you know, so many people talk bad about it. But at the end, I think it, for me, it's one of the most beautiful parts of the Camino. This is the time that you just, you know, you don't have to think. You just let it go and walk, 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 walk. And that's yeah. it. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I had, um, uh, I'm a, I work in schools and I, I actually get to talk about my Camino quite a lot to students. And I was talking to a group today and I talk about how often people can take the bus through the Meseta. And mm -hmm. for me, um, I would have missed one of my most important experiences of the Camino, and that was meeting Dave at um, the the Oasis of the Gods. Yeah. So I, I saw him, and when I got there, I knew it was a special place because 
he was on his purple day bed with his purple cap and I was the purple pilgrim and he even had a jar of Vegemite, which is this very Australian. Oh. He had a tube. I don't eat it, but he had a tube of Vegemite there for pilgrims. And I really? thought, wow, that was amazing, yeah. That's but hilarious. the message wasn't that. The message was that he didn't have a, a donativo box like all the other side stalls. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he had fresh fruit and lovely um, cool drinks. And it was after a long walk, that one. I kept looking in John Riley, where is this oasis I needed? <laughs> and I, so I took something, had a lovely chat to Dave, and I said, um, where's your donation box? And he actually said to me, he said, Leanne, I um, believe that... Um, in the world today, we've lost the art of giving for giving's sake. And now we just give to get something in return. Giving's become mm -hmm. a transaction. And he said, and I, I disagree with that. So I don't have a donativo. And for me, that was one of the most important messages of my Camino journey. And I say whenever I give a talk, I always talk about that message and the fact that if I hadn't gone through the Masetta, I wouldn't have met Dave and, and been taught that important lesson about um, generosity. It is incredible because truly the Camino provides and, and that's one of the beautiful things that is true what you say that sometimes right now when we talk about donativos, it's a different way of call a payment that you do in the Camino for something more meaningful but it's still a payment. You know, when we go to albergues and nativo, people like, how much should I give? It's not about giving money, it's about giving back but you can so someone else can do the same. But I love that this guy decided not to have the box because that's you know totally i'm like a lot of people they are in the camino putting donativo places because sometimes when you get donativo you don't have to do tax you don't have to do other things it also people is more beautiful so you give more money that it, you know if they ask me for donativo for a coke i may give two euros but if they ask me for one euro to pay i will pay one euro but it's one of those mm. tricky questions that what is really but i love the the story that you said and beautiful that that is the truth that is, you know, sometimes the Camino and the hardest part that can be the meseta can be the most fulfilling. And in your case, it was, no? Yeah, it was. And I'm not saying anything. I thought all those lovely stalls, that was a surprising thing on the Camino for me. I didn't realise that there were people that had stalls. And I loved the whole concept of, of just mm -hmm. giving a donation. And it also supports the local community. But I just yeah. thought it was an interesting twist with Dave um, and his um, story. Totally. So what do you know, kids over there tell when you go to the schools and you present them the Camino, what do they think seeing you as like you go all the way to Spain to walk 800 miles, sleep in, you know, not really good hotels? What do people think about it when you go in and give your talks? Well, it's interesting. I had a girl come up to me at the end today and she actually said, I'm going to do that one day. And I said, what? I wasn't sure what she was talking about. She said, I'm going to do that walk one day. So some of them... Um, uh, really interested. What I try to do at the end of my talk is um, relate the Camino to the journey or pilgrimage of life. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I did my um, Camino, I kept a blog under the Purple Pilgrim and I realised by day three, this was another surprise, that every day there were connections to what was happening on the Camino that I could connect back to my life. So at the end of each of my blogs every day, I had Camino wisdom for everyday life. So I shared a few of those. One of them is one of my messages that I share with the kids today is not to take the bus. 
um, and to tell them that you know most of their most of all our lives is pretty boring, like like people say the Masetta is. Mm-hmm. Most of our lives are pretty flat, but we don't skip through that part of our life. And I said to the kids at school, you know, mm-hmm. don't wish away school because soon it will be gone and you'll wish you were back there. Or there are li- what we need to do is find the little things mm-hmm. in the midst of the boring bits. Yeah. So that's what I do. I tell them some some of the messages that I learned. So I can I try to relate it to their life, and they seem to relate to that as well. Yeah, I think that's one of the important parts. We talked a while ago with that UX designer about the Camino. How well designed the Camino is that you start, you know, the hardest on the top to get flattened and to get more comfortable. But it also then when you start the hardest part for your brain, for your mind, for your soul. But then at the end, you have that way also to reach up and again another hit in the face. But it seems like it's well, I and mean, if you, you know, as you said, if you jump any of the bad parts, doesn't make it whole and life is no. not happy all the time. It's not fun all the time. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you have to cry. And mm. that's something that right now it seems like we have to avoid because every message that we see in social media and life is as you have to be happy 24 seven. And no, mm. the Camino has sad moments. The Camino have tough moments and the Camino has a lot of suffering in different ways for different people. But that's why it's so beautiful because at the end it comes the whole package. Yeah, that's exactly right. So I've actually got in the story I talk about, you know, um, life is a journey. Sometimes the road is very steep. Um, sometimes the weather's bad. And so I've got different photos of different parts of the journey. Um, but and, and especially since I've been sharing in schools um, pro, uh, post-COVID, you know, I've said, you know, we've on, been on a pretty steep and a very stormy journey at the moment, but it's just a part of the journey mm-hmm. of life. It is, it is, and you have to learn for that. So you get closer, you get finished in your Camino. How was the arrival in Santiago? Did How was that moment, you know? Sometimes we believe that it's going to be kind of like a Cinderella, you know, like the Beauty and the Beast, one of those magic moments where birds are going to fly and blah, blah, blah. Some people have that kind of experience, but some people just another day, and some people even have a really tough day because that means that is the end of the journey. How was in your case? So um, I was with my friend Jenna, who I'd walked with most of the way, and we decided there were so many pilgrims in that last bit that we decided to stay at Monte de Gozo. Mm-hmm. And so we arrived there about 2 o'clock and we just sat there on the hills in the afternoon overlooking, we could see the cathedral, and we just reflected on our journey and we had a really nice um, quiet time and we decided that we would get up early the next morning and arrive in Santiago before all the other pilgrims were there. So we um, got up and it was still a bit dark. We passed those two beautiful statues and we wandered in and we see that first sign and we get all excited and um, then we'd heard about the little the archway and so we walked through the archway and, um, yeah, it was just amazing. I actually couldn't believe it that I'd done it <laughs> when I got there. Um, the other thing that was really special is the first person that greeted us was an older Korean, South Korean man called Park who I had met on the journey. He was an artist and his, he kept a journal of all the different um, places. So when he sat down for a break, he'd actually sketch um, Pomferrada Castle was one of his nice ones. He did a lovely one of Alto de, de Perdon. Mm-hmm. And he was one of the only pilgrims I met who was on 
who seemed to be on the journey for religious purposes like me. Mm -hmm. We'd had some really interesting conversations. And he happened to turn up at all important religious times on my journey. So I hadn't seen him for days. I took the detour to go to Samos, and there he is at the monastery. Um, <laughs> you know, he just at, at significant time. I stayed, the first time I met him was we stayed at Granon together in, you wow. know, where the one bell tower is. Incredible, one so, of the best places in the Camino. Yeah, that's right. So he just seemed to be kind of my spiritual, mutual spiritual pilgrim. So he had stayed at Monte de Gozo as well and we said, we'll see you in at Santiago. So he arrived um, just uh, 20 minutes before us and he was the first one to greet us. So that was a significant part of um the experience for me um, and then you know just seeing all the other pilgrims I met up with a lot of pilgrims who had gone ahead to Finisterre and were coming back mm -hmm. uh, one, one of them was this Luigi guy so I said in my questions Luigi who wrote a song um, about the Camino Luigi was um, an important part of my pilgrimage he bought a little ukulele with him um, on the Camino and he was at significant places with me as well. Like I thought he'd gone way ahead, but then when we got to the Cristofero, he was there. So he was at special places as well. <laughs> and he saw my son's post on Facebook that I'd arrived in Santiago and he was coming back from Finisterre. So we ended up catching up with him, which was just completed my Camino. Um, <laughs> Until the next day when my husband and son um, arrived in Santiago. Did you and know that they were coming or not? Was a surprise? Yeah, no, I, I did. Okay. And the only, the only disappointing thing was I had planned to hopefully walk to Finisterre before they got there, but I ran out of time. But a mm. few of my friends said to me, no, you're, this Camino for you was spiritual, so your spiritual end needed to be the cathedral. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. No, no, I think that a lot of people, they said, you know, the Camino finishes in Finisterre, the Camino finishes in Monsieur, the Camino finishes in Santiago. That's why, you know, it's the, the other is the extra bar. I always say that when you walk the Camino Frances, the 100K, it's nice to walk the extra K to, to Finisterre and Monsieur to decompress, to think about yeah. the Camino. Also to get all those little, you know, 100 last K that maybe sometimes they're full of pilgrims, but they're also part of the Camino. But for people that have walked so far, I think it's the time to just, you know, think about your Camino, really take the time and get ready to go back home. But even though the Camino, you know, the Camino never finished. That's one of the beauties of the Camino. The, the, the real Camino starts now. Yeah. There's your finish. Um, the the other beautiful thing about um, Santiago was we were hoping to see the Botafumero and the, mm -hmm. the day we arrived we went to two masses, one with Luigi and it didn't swing. And so on the Sunday, oh, I think it was a Sunday morning, when my husband and son arrived, we had Park, my Korean friend. I had an Italian girl, Greta, who... Um, uh, was from Italy and she since has come to visit me in Tasmania and done our Tassie Camino. She was there as well. We all went to the Mass and um, the Botafumero swung just before we left to go to Portugal. So mm. it was perfect. And, and my son, who was 17 at the time, was just mesmerised and he said, I'm coming here and doing this. 
And that's one of the things that I agree that everybody should do one day. It's one of the things that you touch a topic that is pretty important, you know, and for me being Catholic also, the, the religious part of the Camino. You were saying that you were one of the few people that were doing it for religious beliefs. But I think at the end, a lot of people, they don't go for, you know, you can, let's not call it religion, call it faith, you can call it whatever. But I think that everybody goes searching. I don't know if you believe the same and the people that were usually in that time of the year, May's, Older people, if you go in the summer, usually, you know, the, the students, more the college crowd, but during May, there is more older crowd and, and more people looking for, I think, other stuff in the Camino. How was the, the people that you met in your Camino and why, in your case, you were looking for that religious beliefs? So how are the people that I met? Uh, yeah. You were saying? That, yeah, the pilgrims. Yeah. The so, reasons. Um, I did meet a few young people and, and a few of the young people I met saw it just they were doing the Camino as an adventure and as a challenge. Um, then, like Jenna, who walked with me, she wasn't very religious, but she came into all the churches with me. I tried to visit all the churches that I walked past and a bit of it rubbed off on her. She actually said at one point, oh, it's been so interesting. And she came to a lot of the pilgrim masses. So mm -hmm. I tried to go to um, as many pilgrim masses as I could. Um, There's a beautiful one in my favourite town, Hontanas, that had mm -hmm. my favourite church. The brain place at the beginning, the Tessé place where you have the, to light yes. the candles, I, it's beautiful. Yes, and the Bibles in all different languages. Mm -hmm. And the other place that was very um, significant was El Sebrero. Mm -hmm. uh, we they, the priest invited us all up at the end um, for a special blessing, and there was a thunderstorm. And all the lights went out, so that was quite dramatic. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> but it was very exciting. So yeah, the, what was it also interesting is I had pilgrims say to me, "I'm not religious, but can you pray for this person for me?" I had that a few times. Some of my um, Camino family will have heard from someone at home and they'll say, oh, Leanne, you know, when you go to that next church in the next town, can you pray for this person for me? So that was nice. So while people aren't necessarily religious, they were all very supportive and I think, mm -hmm. I think you can't help but be touched by the spiritual side um, when you do the Camino. I don't, mm -hmm. I think whether you're religious or not, and I think you're right, it's not necessarily religious, it's a faith. Um, and I think, you know, you go into some of those amazing churches, it, it, it does something, whether it's just a spirit and, and the spirit of community. Um, I, I, tend, I often think that if the world, world was like the Camino, if everyone treated each other in our bigger world like they do on the Camino, mm -hmm. wow. Wow, indeed. Yeah. So the community, yeah. the family and the community is kind of what our churches should be and what our world should be, I think. Totally agree. Open to everyone, doesn't matter what. And that's what I tell to everyone, you know, in the community, just be open. Give it a try. Yeah, that's you know, right. Going to a church, going to a mass doesn't mean that you have to, you know, I go in, I've been to, you know, all kinds of different services because I love to discover other faiths and, and it's part of the culture. And if you go to another country so far away and i think you know also not visiting churches in europe is like not going to a museum or not going to a bar i'm like you have to do them all <laughs> in the camino i'm like if you go to Grañón, visit the church go to the praying at night but also go to the bar and have some tapas with the locals it's part of the it's part of the spain it's part of europe is what we are and it's part of the camino and it's what make it so wonderful so don't avoid either one of them just give it a try 
Yeah, I think so. And they won't. It, the the walls won't fall down on you if you walk into the church. <laughs> They're beautiful, beautiful churches. And I've I've got Italian background, so um, uh, all my relatives live in Italy. So it's I've got the European background and that love of mm -hmm. churches. And you're right. And they are amazing. Um, the the cathedral Burgos is just incredible. incredible. Lots of them. Yeah. Burgos, León, Astorga. And like, and for me that I live so close, I've never been to Burgos till I walked the Camino or to León. And, you know, avoiding all of those places because they are religious places or Catholic is just going to, you know, like Scotland and not visiting a castle or going, you know, to just to Australia and not visiting, you know, the main things over there. It doesn't make sense. No, that's right. That's right. That is far. So let's go to, to your Camino. You were saying at the beginning that you guys have a Camino in Tasmania and way to Sam Jays, how did Tasmania is connected with the Camino Santiago? How did you guys have a Camino? How all does this happen? Well, what happened was, was um, a friend of mine who's a Catholic priest, um, Father Michael Tate, was posted to the southernmost church in Australia, in the south of Tasmania. And he wanted to do something while he was at this outpost and he realised that the church was called the Church of St James. It had a statue of St James. It even has scallop shell um, blessing bowls at the front entrance mm -hmm. and it's built in Spanish style. And wow. he knew about the Camino so he... Um, decided he, the other thing was is around the area it looked very similar to some of the hillside country in Spain and so he thought we could do our own Tasmanian version of the Camino but it's only two days um, and so that's where the idea came about. So if you want we can there is a beautiful video that you guys made for this so if you want we can watch it and then we can talk about it more. So let's put it here. Okay, let's see it. In this time of global pandemic, I should like to invite you to join a virtual global Way to St. James pilgrimage, your own El Camino de Santiago. Normally here in Tasmania, Australia, we would make pilgrimage on the second weekend of January down through the beautiful Huon Valley, ending up at the Church of St. James, a Spanish-style church in Signet, a little village nestled in that beautiful Huon Valley. But of course, we can't do that this year. So you're invited to join this pilgrimage by walking up to 15 kilometres per day over the weekend of the 9th, 10th January 2021. And to do so through natural surroundings, perhaps a little challenging, and in a meditative way. This way, you will be walking perhaps solo or perhaps socially distanced from some others, but in solidarity and communion with hundreds, if not thousands, throughout Australia and throughout the world. You can do this by joining our Facebook event page or by looking at our website. This is a great opportunity for us to perhaps heal something within ourselves by making this sort of meditative 
pilgrimage through natural beauty, this can help contour your soul and be a healing balm for you yourself, but also, we hope, for our fractured world community. So in the spirit of St. James, please join our virtual... So when did all this start? Because this is from last year, but when was the first Tasmanian Camino? So the first Tasmanian Camino was in 2016, and it normally coincides with a special festival, a, a folk festival in that area of um, Tasmania called Signet. And I actually went on the first one as a pilgrim uh, in preparation for the Camino Frances. And mm -hmm. I loved the Tasmanian pilgrimage so much that I joined the committee and I've been on the committee ever since helping to organise this event. So how is the, the Tasmanian Camino compared with normal? Do you guys sleep in albergues? There is hotels and like, how does it work? Because okay. I saw you have, you have a passport also for your stamp. You have kind of like a credential. Yes, I've got a, I've got the credential here, and we've got four stamps for four of the different places. If Beautiful. I go that way. Mm -hmm. Yep. And this is is there also like a Compostela certificate at the end, or no? I'm I'm trying to push for that, but we haven't got there yet. <laughs> we, have, we have merchandise as well. We uh -huh. have t-shirts and we have why hats. The, why the the symbol of the? So. Signet is the word, Signet is the town, and it's also the word for a baby swan. Okay. Didn't Hence know that, you know. swan, and then that's the church. Oh, it's beautiful because it really looks, it looks like Othebreiro, the church. If you look at the shape of the church, it looks like the entrance yes. to Othebreiro. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, uh, what was I saying? So what happens is we meet at, um, at an old hall where we start, and you will have seen Father Michael blessing the scallop shells. Everyone gets a scallop shell and everyone takes a, a rock like we do on the Camino. Uh -huh. And then um, we head off. And what was lovely in that video is my friend Greta from Italy was at the start of that walk. She was walking at the start and, and her partner wow. was waving. She um, came down. She was wanted to come to Australia, and I said, "Come down and be our first international pilgrim." So that was lovely. That was a couple of years ago. Um, so the first day we walk through on old roads, and we have also teed up with some farmers in the area. We walk across farmlands, mm -hmm. and we walk about fifteen kilometres the first day, past wineries and past cows and very similar to what you do on the Camino Frances. And then we arrive at a church um, in a place called Ranala and people can either pitch tents outside the church on the church grounds or you can sleep in the church. That's what I do. Um, and the pilgrims don't have, we're a bit, we've helped the pilgrims out a lot. They can put all their camping gear at the first spot and we transport it to okay. that place. So that night um, we put on a lovely dinner with fresh produce from the local community mm. and we have um, a sing-along. So because it's connected to the folk festival, we have someone from the folk festival come and teach us a song that we'll sing the next day together in the church. And we also have music playing and it's just a time for community and fellowship. Mm -hmm. And then the next morning we wake up and we give everyone breakfast and there's mass in the church for people who want to. 
and then we walk a bit of way into the next town and then there's a segment that's too hard to walk it's a bit dangerous so we actually have local school buses come and transport people to a safe place so and you then are, we walk you, you are skipping the meseta uh, no, no, no. It's only because it's dangerous and we don't miss the steep hill. We actually have a steep hill um, that we need to climb up and over. And then we walk down into um, the town where the whole folk festival's going. So there's lots of people already there um, playing music and listening to music and there's a market. And then so we have some refreshments and then we all get together when everyone has arrived and you saw that we carry a huge icon of St. James. It's huge. How much does it weigh? Dude? Like that thing I looks don't know. enormous. It's a lot. <laughs> well, that's that like, like, like the Easter here in Spain, you know, when we carry the little and that look like an... Yeah, that's right. So we, we carry that and we have um, some people, some musicians from the Folk Festival who lead the parade through the town and we sing the song we learned the night before. Mm -hmm. And as we get to the near the entrance of the church, we normally have a Spanish flamenco singer sing something really dramatic in Spanish. <laughs> and then we go into the church and we have a little... Um, prayer service. Father Michael speaks to us. In fact, we come and we lay down our rocks mm -hmm. at the foot of the icon, um, a bit like the um, Cristofero. And then we don't have big botafumero, but we have some little ones that the priests swing around. So we have incense. And then we sing a song together called To Be a Pilgrim. To Pilgrim. Yeah. So um, also on the first night, we normally have a talk um, in 2020 because I had been on the Camino, I organised for some people who had done the Camino. We had a little panel and Q&A at the end of the mm -hmm. first day as well, talking about other Caminos. And Father Michael normally does a talk about St Francis of Assisi. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's another one. So it's fascinating. I was supposed to go last year to Assisi. I was going to walk the, the Via Lauretana. That is, it goes from Loreto to Assisi, but couldn't be, but hopefully next year. So what is this Camino, do you know, the way to St. James? Uh, it's locals, it's people from Australia, it's mostly people from Tasmania. Yeah, okay. So in the first year, it was just people from Tasmania and we had about 150 people come in the wow. first year. As well as staying in the church or camp, there's a couple of... Um, just kind of church halls nearby that people can stay in or some mm. people um, go off to a hotel nearby but there's nowhere yeah. near the town of Albergue. Um, and then when I came back um, in 2018 from, the, from my Camino, I and because I joined some a few Facebook Camino groups, I shared the Tassie Camino. So we've actually had a few people come from interstate for, uh, for 2020, so end of 2019 mm -hmm. and then um, they were all ready to come back again. No, I think they came in 2019 and more came in 2020 and then we were ready for 2021 and then COVID hit. Mm -hmm. So the, the folk festival was cancelled so we had to cancel as well but we decided um, to turn the way to St. James into a virtual Camino instead. And I think that's how I met you, Jose. 
Yeah, that's how we met. You contacted me because you wanted me to record a video with the Camino, and I was like everywhere, and I did it on the last minute, like so, like always running. I was, I remember, I was coming from church, and I told my brother, "I need to record the video. She's gonna kill me." And then I sent you the video. <laughs> gonna kill you. Um, it was just a, a lovely thing. And look, um, mm -hmm. I most of the people on the Way to St James committee are older than me. So I managed the Wade St. James Facebook page. And so it was my suggestion. I said, let's just try this virtual Camino and see what happens. So mm -hmm. I first of all told all my Camino friends all over the world that they needed to do it. And they got conned into sharing some videos as well. And then I got the beautiful Susie from Casa Susie. Oh my to God. Do a Susie and Fermin, they're, they're both amazing. They are both amazing. And look, I knew that she was strategic. If I could get her to do a video mm -hmm. to promote it, that we'd get people. Um, and look, we were just overwhelmed. We had 350 pilgrims from about 12 countries and we had pilgrims walking in their own hometown over the same weekend in every continent other than Antarctica. Wow. And so I Nigeria, you have to find one from Antarctica. Well, that's my plan for next year. I tried for Antarctica. I did my best, but I couldn't get someone from Antarctica. But we had someone, uh, we had people from South Africa and Sweden, Denmark, Scotland, Ireland. Wow. Um, we even had someone from Aruba in South America. Wow. And, and some people, so what they did was they walked and I invited them to post photos mm -hmm. to the event page. So... We had people in igloos, people walking in snow, and then people in Australia walking in the desert in 40 degrees. Here it so, was a horrible weekend. I remember so well. I'm like, I need to go out for a hike, and it was rainy. It was cold. It was a horrible weekend. I remember perfectly. Oh, dear. Well, look, because it was winter, that was the other challenge. In the Northern Hemisphere, mm -hmm. January is really cold. So when people were saying, oh, we'll see what we can do, but... We were just so um, impressed and so overwhelmed that we are this year hopefully going to have the actual Wade to St James walk in Tasmania and we invite people from anywhere who want to come to walk that, but we're going to run the virtual Camino at the same time mm -hmm. so that we can have people walking with us. And what I did um, this year for the virtual one, Jose, you would have seen, I actually walked parts of the Tassie one and posted photos of mm -hmm. what the pilgrims would have seen if they were in Tasmania. That's incredible because that's, that's something that you can, you know, for us to see what we, you guys do in Tasmania and for Tasmanians to see how the community look like. And at the end, you know, right now I remember I was going to go uh, in a couple of weeks to the to the Canary Islands, they have a Camino that is also an official Camino because they have a cathedral for St. James and it's a three days. So maybe you guys can partner up with them and make a brotherhood, you know, two island, both far away yeah. from the Camino, but part of the Camino. So, yeah, well, some of the, we had some beautiful comments. One of the challenges of the virtual Camino was that because all the rest of the um, committee are older, I was the only admin person and we had 350 pilgrims posting all day and night because of the different time zones, and I had to approve all the posts. So I didn't actually get much sleep that weekend, but it was so rich. And some of the comments, you know, they were saying 
it was so lovely to be connected to other people, other pilgrims across the world in a time where um, COVID had stopped us. You know, people in the mm -hmm. UK had a 5K limit, so they were just actually walking in and around the streets around their home. Um, and some of them were visiting their um, churches of St James. We got lots of photos mm -hmm. of churches of St James from all over the world and a lot of scallop shell photos as well from their own scallop shells, scallop shells they found. So it was a real um, community building aspect and I, I'm in the process. What I need to do is to convert that event into a group and hopefully get people to share that so we can have even more people and I'll need more admin support, but um, to have more people <laughs> join our Tassie virtual Camino as well. Yeah, I think it's great. And that's one of the, you know, if we can get something out of COVID, but this positive is that this great, you know, incredible Camino community has grown. I have met so many people, talked to so many pilgrims that, in a way, not everyone can walk the Camino every year. I'm like, as you say, you know, I'm the lucky one that is right here in front of my house, but so many people have to travel. Sometimes we don't have the dates. Sometimes we have families. We have all kind of things. So all these events that are, you know, local that are virtual allows to everyone to be connected to the Camino every year so I think that all of this is, is incredible and it's something that for the pilgrim community that at the end is what it matters from the community you know just to have these chats to connect with other pilgrims to chat for a little bit even if we are not connected and physically we cannot hug each other that will eventually happen and at the end the beauty of the Camino is meeting people and chatting so if we can do that in so many different ways walking many different Caminos worldwide why not that's right. No, it was um, it was fabulous. And look, it, it brought us together too. So that was lovely. True indeed. So where do people have to go? Do you know, we'll put the links on the on the notes of the program. What would they have to go to discover more about the Camino over there in Tasmania? So we have a website that I'll send you the link to that you can put up or you might already have it. You've probably already organised. Um, we also have the Facebook page and um, I manage that page. So it'd be lovely to hear from anyone that's heard this to connect through that. And as I said, we'll try and get the virtual Camino group happening as well. So there's a few different ways. And look, we would be very open, not sure for international people just yet. And Tasmania has been very Australia, protective it's <laughs> but spain is but, open yay which is great um so yeah you can find out out more and um facebook is probably the easiest way it's the most manageable if you want to make contact if you want to look at some background information and some uh photo photo galleries and things the website's good as well but we'd love to have people um hopefully from around Australia coming this year and then hopefully before too long international people to come down to we think is one of the southernmost Caminos in the world. That's incredible. And, you know, it's one of those things that I'm thinking right now, I have a list of different Caminos to walk in the world. You know, I want to go to the Cumanocodo, the Via Francicena, the Via Lauretana, the Inca Trail. And like this is a never-ending story. You start discovering more caminos and more caminos, and you want to go and discover. And Australian Tasmania is one of the things that calls me, you know. But once I go there, I have to go for a month. So I will have to make a list of other caminos to work in Australia. But yours will be one of the problems. For us, you know, usually January is that time of the year. It's after Christmas, back to school, back to normal. So it's one of those days that is is hard for Europeans to to travel over there. But maybe you have to do another camino just for Europeans to go there. Maybe. You'd be most welcome, Jose. And and we host couch surfers at our house, so we'd love to host you if you come down to visit. 
Of course, and we'll invite everyone, you know, to visit Discover More about this amazing Camino in Tasmania. But the, and anyone from Tasmania and from anywhere in the world to discover more of the Camino, because at the end, that's the beauty. You know, we are the lucky ones that discover it, but there's so much more people that need it right now. And that's the beauty of the Camino. It's about the people, the connections you made. And, and as I said, you know, it's one of the things that anywhere you go, there is a pilgrim there that is there to help. So thank you so much, Lian, for sitting today with us, your Camino experience and the Camino and the great work that you guys are doing over there in Tasmania, creating this little Camino and encouraging people, you know, to walk and to get discovered and, and to do something as beautiful as becoming a pilgrim. Beautiful. Thank you so much for um, inviting me to, to share. It's lovely to meet you. And, you know, you know that as soon as you have the Camino in your heart, it's always there. So uh, it's a very special thing. And I love to share about it. And we'd love to share our Tassie Camino with um, the rest of the world. So thank you for your interest. And for everyone, remember like and subscribe go follow you know the both pages in facebook and instagram as you say there is a hard work for the people that manage those pages it's incredible all these social media stuff you know it takes a lot of time so it's great you know and to, to create followers so everyone that follows us go and discover that facebook group and follow the the, the the all the social media that we'll put on the link so thank you so much remember we'll be back next week every tuesday we do it in english every thursday we do it in spanish so thank you so much liana and as we always say buen camino ultrella thank you Thanks for listening to El Camino People, the podcast. And remember, if you like our show, you can go to elcaminopeople.com and click on that coffee button and support the work we do. It's your own Patreon. It's a way of you supporting what we do here without having any wine between taking you know, part of the profit. So thank you for all the ones that are helping us. Thank you for everyone that keeps using our hashtag on Instagram, on Facebook. And thank you for all the ones walking and just, you know, sending love and sharing their Camino stories with us. Summer is here, we are walking, hopefully more people are walking, so remember if you are going by Pamplona, remember that we are here and we love to show you around, so if you know anyone that is doing the Camino Frances or passing through Pamplona and another journey to the Camino, feel free to share contact information and they can contact us on Instagram or LinkedIn or WhatsApp. We would love to show you around in Pamplona and have some tapas and share some Camino stories with you. For the ones that you are not being able to walk the Camino, remember that you have our podcast and we will continue sharing stories on Instagram and on Facebook. Um, be ready, there is something big coming in October, but for that you will have to wait a little bit. When Camino, we'll trade